Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United and part of the Night Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett. How are you today, Rob? I'm good, Scott, and we've got lots to talk about today because pre-season has started. So looking forward to getting our teeth into it and maybe a little bit more Frankie de Jong. Yeah, of course, uh, Manchester United are, by the looks of it, one of the earliest teams in the Premier League back in pre-season training. Eric Ten Hag has taken a training session with the players. He's met the players that were not on international duty at the back end of last season, which was just seemingly a few weeks ago, and we're already getting going again. We'll talk about that today. We'll talk about players who are back and ready, as David De Gea has posted on his social channels. He did that every week last season by the look, by the seams of it, and United got smashed every single week. So let's hope that something's different this time around. We'll also talk about some players in there who we've seen, Marcus Rashford, Anthony Martial, maybe, who, you know, there's a little bit of uncertainty over them at the moment. They haven't been in great form. Anthony Martial's obviously been out on loan as well. Uh, but does he have a chance of establishing himself again under Eric Ten Hag? We'll talk Andreas Pereira, Frankie de Jong, obviously, as Rob just mentioned, we have to talk about him as well. We'll talk a bit of Anthony and Lisandro Martinez from Ajax. And we'll talk a bit of leadership as well towards the end. Uh, but just before we get into it, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And watch us twice a week now on YouTube on Tuesdays and Fridays as well. So head over to the channel, hit the like button, subscribe, join the community and leave a comment. And a reminder as well, you can follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at PromisedLandMU as well. Rob, pre-season training then, let's let's get into it, shall we? Up to 30 players uh, have returned. Obviously, there's not been uh, the international crew who were representing their countries a few weeks ago. They are still on holiday and should be back, I think, next week. Uh, but up to 30 players, the existing first-team players that are there, the players that were out on loan at the back end of last season to other clubs, plus a number of youth players as well who are looking to impress Eric Ten Hag as we get forward and get going. Uh but all, already, Rob, let's let's get into Bibgate, shall we? Because there's <laughs> there's been a there's been a revelation from the papers or the the websites uh, that Eric Ten Hag has already delivered his first dressing down to the Manchester United squad, and I'm just going to get into the specifics of it here. It seems the squad learnt of Eric Ten Hag's uh, anger or like discipline. First hand on Monday after Ten Hag delivered a dressing down to the players on their way back to the changing room following the session. The United squad dumped their bibs in one big pile as they left the training ground. Ten Hag wanted the bibs, which are coloured blue, orange and yellow, to be left in organised piles. And let the players know that he was unhappy with them, simply discarding the shirts without much thought for who would have to pick them up afterwards. They just threw them into a big pile and expected things to be tidied up after them. Eric Ten Hag getting off on a good foot in then, Rob. Damn those millionaires. That's what I say. You know, there they come. No, no interest in who picks the bibs up, who cleans the bibs, where the bibs come from, who makes them, what country of origin they're from. They don't care. Um, it's such rubbish in it it's interesting because we talk about everything Manchester United like we try and do we try and do some of the funny stuff we do the topical stuff if obviously we do transfers we'll actually do the football matches in the weeks and months to come as we always have done it's kind of a non-story isn't it you know like again where do you get that from the Eric Ten Hag was upset about a load of bibs 
well, actually, in some ways, I'd quite like that. I'd like a guy to come in and be organised and say, this is how I want to do it, whether it's about bibs or not. But let's maybe worry about passing the ball first and doing some basic football work. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? It's the, it's pre-season. You've got a big chunk of players back. And for once, Man United have actually got players back at the earliest moment. So in years gone by, you'd find the first wave weren't really your top players. They weren't really your Rashfords and your Sanchos. Why? Because they were all on international duty. So I think it's really advantageous for Ten Hag to have all these guys back on day one because you can set expectations. Though I must admit, I don't really think anyone cares about Bibs. Well, we'll see. Maybe he's maybe he's setting an example or just setting the groundwork. This is how you live your life, lads. Let's Perfectionism. Get per- perfection. Let's... Let's be organised. Let's be respectful. Let's be all these t- kind of different things. Because obviously the players do need a little bit of uh, bringing back down to earth, I guess, in a sense. You know, it's not all about them. It's about the team. It's about caring. It's about being respectful to everyone, uh, I-, I guess. Anyway, we-, we talked too much about bibs here. Let's let's get into the actual show itself. The players that were uh, pictured in the session, I think from a picture that I've seen that it looks like the back of Luke Shaw's head. I don't know for sure whether Luke Shaw was there, but it looks like him to me. Uh, obviously, he's uh, had injury problems, so it wouldn't surprise me if he was there. But Anthony Martial was there. Marcus Rashford was there. David De Gea back and ready, as I mentioned. Donny van der Beek looking very happy that his uh, former manager is now rocked up at Old Trafford and he might get a chance to actually get some first-team football at Man United. Uh, he was there too. Jaden Sancho... Uh, and Garnacho as well, who was, uh, mm-hmm. I think this is an important point. Uh, Alejandro Garnacho was playing in Toulon just a few weeks ago and was actually entitled, I believe, to more holiday. But he wants to get in the mix and impress the new manager. Uh, and he had a good Toulon tournament as well. I don't, we haven't mentioned that in the last few weeks, but he scored a few goals for Argentina. Uh, I think he might have been player of the tournament as well. But he was, uh, yeah. He's a big name uh, from the youth ranks coming through. But this is a chance now. It's a clean slate, isn't it, Rob? This is a chance to impress Ten Hag and to stake a claim for preseason and to stake a claim for the early part of the Prem season too. Totally. I know United fans overall are very low on the current football stock at Old Trafford. There's obvious reasons for that because of what's happened in the last 12 months and going back to the Solskjaer era. But there's a lot of players in this squad that I think with the right kind of coaching and the right belief system and the right, you know, we, I know we just t- joked about bibs, but there does need to be some kind of, you know, changing of the guard as to how you do stuff at Carrington. And these guys, like everyone you've just mentioned there, Garnacho, huge talent. We know what he can do. We know Hannibal's a guy who can maybe step up this year. And the other guy, everyone speaks about, you know, I think on the side at the moment, of course, is Donny van der Beek. A lot of press yesterday about him, being, coming back to Carrington, obviously, from his time at Everton. There he was in, in uh, Manchester United's new orange training kit, all very Dutch with his new coach. And for him, it's a brand new start. So there are players, I think, that usually when a manager fails, there's a load of outgoings. And there still will be players leaving United, but it's going to be a big core that's still there. So I'm really pleased that they're working there on day one. And as you said, someone like Garnacho, he was entitled to further time off. And I think he's had 17 days overall. So he's gone really from one season to the next, almost in the, in the, in the blink of an eye in a quick holiday. Um, as you said, playing for, for Argentina at Toulon. So 
uh, I'm excited about those things, Scott. It's difficult to talk about because it's all about potential and what maybe will happen. But with this preseason tour coming up, all of these guys are going to get a chance to impress. Donny van der Beek, do you think he actually gets first team football this season? Because he's, he's played for other managers and not had a look in, essentially. So, yeah, uh, obviously, Ten Hag knows him. And I actually did spend a few minutes yesterday watching one of those Twitter compilation videos of, uh, or might, might have been YouTube, actually, compilation videos of De Jong and van der Beek passing the ball to each other. <laughs> Because people will make anything nowadays and I just spend time <laughs> watching it apparently as well. Do you think he has a chance? I think he has a chance, but I, I want to be real about Donny van der Beek because I think the reason why he's not done well at Manchester United is because of him. I really believe that. So I don't get all this uh, that Ole bought him and had no intention of using him. That certainly wasn't what we were hearing from the correct sources. You know, Donny van der Beek was coming to Manchester United to be a major part of the system and allow United to play 4-3-3. And when United played 4-3-3, they were garbage. And that was the reason why you didn't go that route. That's why you stuck really with Bruno Fernandes in a 4-2-3-1. So that ended up with obviously Ole and Solskjaer leaving the football club. And then I think when Ralph came in, there was a feeling that would Ralph use Donny, but would Donny be able to play the counter-press? Well, Ralph from day one was like, no, this player's not suited to the counter-press. Off you go on loan. I'm quite happy for you to go and play football because I want you to go and get minutes and come back to Manchester United. But now he has a coach that understands him. He has a coach that knows the systems that he can play well in. And I don't think we're going to see Donny van der Beek masquerading in a double pivot with Fred. It's not going to happen now because I don't think this manager will will risk his own neck for these things. Has he got a chance, Scott? A hundred percent, he's got a start a, a chance. Really has because he's still a good player. It's just that how do you get the most out of him? I don't think we saw Frank Lampard get the most out of him at Everton. To be honest, it was okay, did okay. But are you going to play Donny Van der Beek in one of the attacking positions? That's the bigger question. I think you will. I think you'll see him get more significant minutes as a 10 or as a play or as kind of playing to the right-hand side of an attack, which he, he did do at times for Ajax. Um, and it's all on him. If he plays well, trains well, gets stronger, gets tougher, fights in the Premier League, I think he can be a significant piece for Ten Hag. But the jury's out. Yeah, I did want to ask you, you just kind of gone into it there about where he plays, but mm. I'm not sure, could I see him in a Double pivot in midfield alongside De Jong. If when he joins, I don't know. No. I mean, but no. Christian Eriksen has a contract offer on the table. He could join. Bruno Fernandez is a ten. Has played there his entire United career. And then you got Donny as well. So that's three players contending for one position, really. Uh, unless Bruno is kind of used, he was used on the left side a little bit last end of last season. He was also he's also been seen up front. I know you've talked about the false line position as well. Uh, utility player, Donny, do you think? No, no. And I think that's actually why people get a little bit confused around Van der Beek because they see him on a football pitch and they say, oh, well, he can do the, all of these things and let's have him as a utility player because he, he's, he's blessed in other areas. I, I've I watched so much Donny van der Beek since he came to Man United. He's not very good at some of the things that he supposedly can do. So he said as well in the middle of last season, yeah, I can play as a six. I can do all of that because, you know, if you give me the ball, I can turn and play the ball and get you going. 
But in the Premier League, in the way that we were playing under Solskjaer, it just didn't work. It's not a thing. You were getting done, weren't you? Donny van der Beek, when the ball was in those areas, was not helping the defence. I remember once he played in the pivot and he dropped in to kind of the centre-back position and the ball came across the, the box and he just watched it go across the box and, and the opposition scored. I remember and everyone, that, yeah. <laughs> and, Don, and, and he, Donny just kind of went, but it's like, no, you've got to be more defensively minded. So it's kind of a thing like if you're going to have a utility midfielder, that is actually De Jong. De Jong can do some defending and some attacking, but it's better at other things. And you're probably going to pair him up with a more defensive minded midfielder in a pivot or playing a 4-3-3. I don't think he'll play 4-3-3 to start off with. I think it will be 4-2-3-1. That's what he played at Ajax for last year. But I do think Donny will be a kind of auxiliary 10. I do think that Bruno will play less as a 10 all the time. Like He still will be Manchester United's trekarista. He'll be the guy on the edge of the box trying to do that stuff. But now you've got Donny van der Beek. Rather than playing five minutes a game, he might get 25 minutes. He might be able to start imposing himself with a coach that knows all of his strengths and his weaknesses. There is, of course, five substitutes permitted in the Absolutely. coming season as well. So, yep. you know... There is more opportunity for fringe players to get more minutes, obviously. Obviously, it used to be three, uh, although during COVID times, I think that's when it initially went to five. But yeah, uh, yeah maybe Donny will get some more action in a United shirt next season. Let's look a little bit further forward because Jaden Sancho was there. I know we spoke about uh, we don't really have any concerns about Sancho. We're just both expecting him to kick on. Uh, but Marcus Rashford and Anthony Martial... You know, uh, two players who have been questioned. Obviously, Mar like this, uh, Rashford and Martial were the golden pairing for a, a long time, weren't they? And they were mm. expected to kick on, score a ton of goals. And it's Martial has fallen off a cliff. Uh, Rashford has to a degree as well, although, you know, he's had injury problems to contend with and that kind of thing. Martial is, per reports, still up for sale. It's just United paying him so much money per week <laughs> that is he's going to be incredibly difficult to shift off. So how do you see Martial's summer playing out? Do you think he's going to end up leaving or is he a player that you think Ten Hag could get more out of? I think the difficulty of Anthony Martial, and you did just touch on it there in terms of wages, is on 230 grand a week. There's no team in the world that's going to pay him that. No, no literally no one. No one will go anywhere near that wage. So that effectively makes it almost impossible to move him at this stage. What you need to do is build a market for him. That means you need to play him at some point. So both through preseason and the early weeks of the campaign. Don't forget that to see that that um, that this window closes September the first. It allows you to create a market for these players. You might even see him start the season and then get sold very close to transfer deadline day. That would not be a surprise when people need players. You know, when they suddenly go, all right, we need a forward. We need a left-sided player. I do think with both those two lads, with Rashford and with Martial, there is still hope for them. Like I always think this, that when you change your manager, there's always a few players that pop up that you go, oh, I thought they were dead. I thought they were like done with this football club. And look in this system, they look like a decent footballer. Now, it's very easy to forget those early days of all the new coaches. So you go back to Solskjaer, even go to Ranić. Some of those players look really good under Ranić for the first five or six weeks until it completely fell off a cliff. Anthony Martial, his last performance at Manchester United before he went out on loan, he came off the bench and did really well. And you were like, 
there's a player was there the West somewhere. Ham was that the West Ham? Yeah, game he came on and he assisted. Yeah. yeah, he came on and assisted and looked really good for that small spell. And I remember Ranić running over to him at full time and giving him a huge hug. And we were like, maybe Martial can do something under this coach. But I do actually think that Ten Hag, stylistically, is a good coach for Martial and a good coach for Rashford. It depends where you play Rashford. I don't think Rashford will thrive in the wider positions in his usual position. You know, I don't think technically he will work those areas as well as maybe Sancho will, or maybe as well as even Garnacho as a kid. I think in terms of, again, we're talking about stylisms. But I think Anthony Martial, and I think Rashford is through the middle, I think those two players might get decent rotation under Ten Hag. I think he fits the kind of football he likes to play. And it's all more quick one-touch football in that final third. People can criticise their technique, and I think it's fair to criticise them over the last year or two. But they're not bad players. It's about trying to find a manager that shows that they can still be good. Of course, like it's funny how time changes. Obviously, fans are now looking at United through a lens of last season, the lack of effort from last season. You go back a year before that, hmm. and everyone was like, ooh, that United front line is looking pretty nifty, isn't it? Before Ronaldo comes in, yeah. you know, that it was perhaps they did need a little bit more support up there. But Rashford and Martial were part of a three that were very exciting, that had scored a lot of goals the season before, that now have been essentially discarded. So it's, it's, it's easy to forget that kind of thing. And like, what, how, how much confidence plays a part in how good a player is at the moment? Totally. Confidence plays a huge part. And I, and I think the conflict there, I'm really glad that you've mentioned that because 12 months ago, we were kind of, this was still pre-Ronaldo, wasn't it? So the Ronaldo thing was buzzing away in the background. People knew he was going to leave Juventus. It was like, where is he going to go? Manchester United were on the list, but City were the ones making the noises through the press. Um, I think 12 months ago, this whole football club was going to be based around Martial, Rashford and Greenwood. They were going to be your front three. And we weren't really thinking and talking about Man United suddenly not being able to score goals. But that's what happened. So, as you said, I think fans look through a lens of what happened last year. And that's understandable. I get why that is. And the lack of effort wasn't good enough. But the lack of effort wasn't good enough across the whole pitch from back to front. But, of course, players like Martial, who's more of a languid player, Rashford, who definitely had issues in terms of his, his work rate last year, there's no doubt about it. They get targeted and they get targeted for obvious reasons. But now they've got a chance, haven't they? It's not a case of, of whether these players are talented. We know they're talented. It's just that can you find a system that makes them work and makes them score goals? We both know with those two, they can score goals in the Premier League. They've proved that in the past. It's more about the system. And I think this is why Ten Hag's arrival is so important because you need to play a different style of football to what we saw from, say, Solskjaer playing 4-2-3-1, being very rigid, playing the same style every week, to Ranić, completely different style, Gagan pressing that none of the players wanted to do, to now a coach who's probably more like Pep Guardiola in terms of how he sets up, which, as we know, has been winning Premier Leagues. So I think players will buy into that because it's a winner, isn't it? Someone coming into the football club champion of his own division in Holland and a huge reputation. And I think players will, will warm to that in the earliest weeks, certainly. Do you think Ten Hag will have Martial to hand? I, I do think anybody's going to come in to pick him up or are United keeping him? 
there's no market for him at the moment, Scott. There's no market for him. Like the thing is, if he'd gone to Sevilla and ripped it up and scored lots of goals and looked really useful in La Liga, then you, you've created a market. That's kind of what Man United were trying to do. It's what they were trying to do with Jesse Lingard once when they sent him to West Ham. You create markets and you sell them, or you say, actually, I can keep and, and do something with this player. And I think with Anthony Martial, I've never been the biggest fan of Martial. I'll say that up front and I've said it before. I do think that there are weaknesses in his game. But can you use him if you were playing 4-3-3? Definitely. Definitely you could use him. Now, he's not ever going to be a pressing monster on the left, but I think he's technically better on the left than Rashford. So it's a it's a mix-up here. Then you've got Anthony in the mix there. Do you bring in someone like Anthony, which totally allows you to play Jadon Sancho on the left? I think that's what, what Ten Hag will do in the earliest weeks, that, that Jadon Sancho will play on that left-hand side. But you've got to see it in pre-season now, haven't you? These players have come back, and it's like new era, new start, don't be as bad as you were last year. Otherwise, the clock is ticking and you'll be gone. And I like that. I think that's a good scenario to be in. I think players understand the desperation of that point in time. So if Martial does end up staying, and if he stays and actually recaptures a little bit of form, then that's mm. going to inflate his valuation, which is on the Big floor time. at the moment. And help and United then... win. And help United win. Like, if he plays well. Like, he actually spoke a few weeks ago off the back. Like, you know, he got back in the French squad, didn't he, originally? And did well when he got back in the French squad. And people were like, oh, you know, there's a player here. And he said a few weeks ago, at the back end of the Sevilla move and coming back, saying, in my head, I always felt I was coming back to Manchester United. And in my head, my issue was that I had this injury. It's really hampered me for a year and sm completely smashed up my form. And now I know I've got to go back to United and prove it all again. Now, that's what I want to hear, Scott. He's saying the right things. Now we need to see it, don't we? It's better than a player crying his eyes out, going, oh, I'm not getting picked. Oh, I'm sitting on the bench. Don't cry about it. Prove that you're good enough. And I think there's a lot of United players like that who are talented, but totally need to prove it. Martial's 26 now. He's 27 yeah, in December. Yeah. Uh, which is crazy given, you know, he's all, always been about potential for the duration of his United career so far. Yeah. Another potential player who, well, it, that's being kind, I, I suppose. But uh, Andreas Pereira <laughs> had a bit of a spell in the United first team, known as the preseason Perlo in United circles, uh, <laughs> yeah. has been out on loan af uh, since. Well, for, for a forever. while now, since yeah. forever. Bruno Fernandes obviously was signed and then that was the end of Andreas Pereira in the United number 10 role. I wanted to talk about him today because United might be doing something here that they don't do, as in selling a player for money. <laughs> I know. Uh, Fulham, crazy. Fulham have shown interest in Andreas Pereira. Flamengo have obviously had him on loan for... Uh, the last few months as well. And there's a deal which has been kind of mooted there, but it's not been pulled. The trigger hasn't been pulled on it. Crystal Palace have also seen have been linked with him uh, mm -hmm. in in certain circles as well. Eight to 10 million, possibly raising to 11 million in pounds. Is that a surprise? This feels so post-Edward Wood, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't it? Like actually doing some business for a player. So um, I think we think that Andres Pereira is he's not a bad player. He was never a bad player. The issue was that he's a number 10 that Man United were trying to force to become a number six. So we know we just talked about Donny van der Beek. It's a similar kind of issue. Just because a player can play deeper doesn't mean you should play him deeper. That's it. Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba, much better the other end of the pitch. Don't play him as a deep line number six all the time. Sometimes, yes, but not all the time. 
And, and I think Andres Pereira, again, if he goes to a football club where he can express himself, because he's a talented boy and, you know, he came through the ranks and there was always big hopes for him in terms of his natural ability. He said he'd call in the pre-season Pirlo. You know, why is that? Because he'd get the ball in pre-season and curl it in the top corner and everyone would be like... He's got an amazing... Was it last year? Pre-season... It, 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 it was the in the it was in the campaign. It was right at the start of the season. I think two years ago. I think it was. And he, uh, I can't remember against Wolves or someone. And he he played as a number six that day. Got the ball, took it out of his feet. It was in front of us at Old Trafford and smashed it in the top corner. And we were all like, "That's the best goal we've seen at Old Trafford for years." And it was. It was an amazing finish. <laughs> but that's just like one minute of his life isn't it? So it's like, does that one minute impact everything else? Well, of course, the answer is no. Fulham will be a good fit for him. Palace would be a good fit, especially the way that Palace have played. We don't know if Palace will be getting uh, Gallagher back. Not saying Pereira is the perfect replacement there, but he's the same kind of player that if you give him freedom and tell him to go and work in certain areas, he could be useful. Do I want him at Man United in the rotation? No, I think it's time to sell. If you get eight to 10 million, you bite your hand off for that. Yeah, and you can reinvest that in other players as well, which is something United yeah. have to get better at or start doing at the very least. Uh, you know, that would help out signing a new right back or left back or something like that, uh, depending on who they look at. But let's move on to the name that has been on the lips of every United fan for what seems like two years now, even though it's been about a month. The or new Wesley like Schneider. That. The new Wesley Schneider. But this one might happen. <laughs> this one might happen. Wesley Schneider uh, might still happen. What are you talking about? You know, it like... might it might well, but as we record in this, as we're recording this, uh, Sky Sports have caught up and have said United <laughs> are close to agreeing a deal with Barcelona for Frankie de Jong. Yeah. They've been told that there's a broad agreement on the fee, believed to be 65 million euros plus performance-related add-ons, which is a departure from what Barcelona were holding out for mm-hmm. full fee of what 80, 80 to 85 million euros. I think it was as we've reported as well. Uh, if, if that's the case um, and Barcelona need to come to some kind of agreement on this uh, in the next few days, I, I, I believe have United won, even though it's taken forever. Well, if it, if it happened as to the bits and pieces that we know now, then yes, United have won because what was holding up this deal it wasn't Manchester United's willing to sign the player or the player even himself at one point. It was Barcelona. So as you said, then stated correctly, Barcelona now need the money. They've got to the point where they've played a little bit of poker with Man United and said, you know, we want 80 odd million for him. Manchester United rightfully said no chance. Barcelona were like, we want to make a profit on the player for what we paid Ajax. Manchester United said, well, why are you shopping him to us? You know, so there were all these things about brinkmanship going backwards and forwards. And I think when you talk about price and what, what it's going to be, I think Barcelona, from what we've heard, have settled in the kind of low to mid-70s. And we talk, I'm talking pounds sterling here, not euros. So they they were looking at something around the 76 million pound mark. Manchester United were talking more around 65 million. So I think they're going to meet somewhere in the middle. So it's going to come in at around the, the price that we've heard, of course, is 68.8 million. That was kind of the first fee. What will they pay on top with add-ons? Who knows? There will be add-ons. I'm sure there'll be significant ones. Throw a Ballon d'Or clause in there. Well, exactly. This is what it will be. It'll be like, you know, if we win Premier League next year, we'll pay you an extra 10 million quid or whatever like that. And it's like, okay, yeah, put that in there because that's not going to happen. So I just think with Frankie de Jong that, and you know, you stated this last week as well on Scott Scott and the show, was that the first piece that Ten Hag wants is de Jong. Because if he gets de Jong, then he can do something next with player two, 
player three, player four, and his existing players. And he wants to build from that player. So we know that. So that's an exciting thing, again, I think, for United fans, because you've just got to be patient until it gets done. And the worst case scenario, of course, is that it doesn't get done. But oh, imagine it doesn't. Like, but the, it, but it, it will. It will. It will get done. And, and, and the reason why it will get done, and, and you know, again, we'll put our necks on the block, I'll put my neck here, is that the player has now said yes to Manchester United. So that was always a big thing. He was always kind of like, I want to stay at Barcelona, Barcelona, my dream club. He only was saying a few weeks ago, Barcelona, the biggest team in the world. Well, if you say that, you know, Manchester United claim to be the biggest team in the world every week. So it's kind of a weird thing to say when when those two things don't meet each other properly. But we believe that uh, that the player is, has made that uh, agreement with Ten Hag. You know, he, he's going to leave Barcelona, which he certainly will be. He's coming to Manchester United. And he's also quite enthused about it. You know, he, he believes that he will be a central part of that midfield in a way that he never was at Barcelona. At Barcelona, he's like number four midfielder in everyone's thoughts and minds there because they've got such great talent and also a veteran like Busquets who's who's bossed it for years in that, that kind of holding midfield role, which he would like to play. But I think Ten Hag would bring in uh, De Jong and start building stuff around him in that midfield. And it's the right way to do it, Scott. I'm, I'm going to keep on my soapbox and say, do it slowly and do it right. Don't do it quickly just to shut fans up. Get the right players in. And De Jong would be a fabulous first signing. Yeah, uh, it was, well, at 90min.com, we reported May the 12th, I think, and we held on to this story mm. for a little while as well about the interest in working with uh, Ten Hag again being one of the pulling factors. Uh, it was shortly debunked after that, but it does seem that it's the case that, obviously, that one, that's one of the main reasons why De Jong would actually do this move is because he knows the coach. You know? I think it's the only reason. I really think it is. Like Again, I've said on uh, kind of my other shows and stuff that this deal does not happen without Eric Ten Hag existing at Manchester United. It really doesn't. If Mauricio Pochettino was your manager, this deal does not happen. You know, the player's not interested in Manchester United in that way. Now, United fans might be fearful of that and say, oh, but we only want players that, you know, love the badge and love Manchester United. It's, that's not the football business. You need to bring in someone that can help you win. And the things with De Jong is that he understands the expectations of Ten Hag he also understands it's a huge opportunity for Eric Ten Hag. Can you be part of that? He knows Donny van der Beek at the football club. There might, might likely be other Ryax players arriving either this year or next. We talk about someone like Julian Timber who won't come now, but will come in the future potentially. We will talk about Lissandra Martinez who's on the market. And we know Anthony. There's a ton of brinkmanship going on between United and Ajax in terms of that player. But we know that player would like to play for Ten Hag again. So all of these things you see, I think with De Jong, suddenly become more attractive when you see Barcelona making eyes at players like Gavi and the, the kind of their younger core. And they're not really thinking about Frankie de Jong. They're using Frankie de Jong to raise capital. That's not a great look for a player. A player knows that once that's there, that you're done because they're trying to shop you. Barcelona have shopped the player for weeks and weeks and weeks. They've been trying to create a market for him. Yeah. As it stands, you would expect that de Jong will be on the preseason tour flight uh, and Ooh, it doesn't seem one too saying far that. That's I, that's think, I think there. he will be. I think he will be. I think uh, will. just a, just a gut feeling. I think we're not too far away. He'll finish his holiday, maybe fly over to Manchester next week. And that best club in the biggest club in the world question. I don't doubt that at some point in the next six months, even if it's in the early interviews with the club's media team. So, Frankie, what's your impressions of Manchester United? Like, just. Oh, it's the biggest club in the world. Well, it struck me world. since I've arrived here. It's the biggest club in the world. I'm sure that'll come about. 
And the uh, thing is, in, in, the, in the Netherlands as well, it's, it's worth pointing out that even though Real Madrid and Barcelona are the biggest club in the world in the southern half of Europe and beyond, that in the northern part of Europe and places like Holland, Manchester United are the biggest club in the world. So he would have grown up in that environment of United being a super large club because of the love that's out there in places like Scandinavia. So I do think that, that he won't be looking at Manchester United going, oh, I'm taking a huge step down. And I think he'll see it as an opportunity. and He'll understand that this is a big new Dutch project at Manchester United, and he could be the central part of that. As you said, I think it gets done now. Like I know people are saying this week, and it might well be like, you might be watching the show now in a few days' time, as people do, and he might have already signed, but I think it's more likely to be next week. I could see them doing one of those. United have struck an agreement with Barcelona for Frankie de Jong pending yeah. personal terms. And what instrument does he that. play? Does he play an instrument? Oh my God, they've got to drop that kind of Saxophone, that would be good, wouldn't it? Frankie de Jong, <laughs> you know, kind of your street seller going down Piccadilly, you know, coming down there, and there's a guy there with a saxophone playing some jazz. And, oh, it's Frankie de Jong, he's in Manchester. Here he is outside WH Smith. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that United have learned maybe not to do those things anymore after the Alexis Sanchez failure. Um, but you're right. I think we will get that's, that classical statement that is used mainly for the stock exchange to say that this player is coming to the football club, the deal is done, and welcome Frankie. Yeah, there is an offer out as well to Christian Eriksen, who is a free yeah. agent as of the 30th of June, which is two days away, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, two days away. So... Maybe a decision from him will be coming soon as well, whether he chooses to go to United or whatever. But I think United need to get this De Jong deal out of the way first. They need, a, need it locked in for how much they're going to be spending so they can then move on to other targets and we'll just transition into those. Now, Anthony and Lisandro Martinez talks have been held over both of those players. United well, may as well just buy Ajax, to be honest, because they're just going after seemingly every player that Ajax own or have owned in the past. Uh, Anthony and Lisandro Martinez have been, however, put high price tags on. But mm. they, I also put high price tags on both of these players because Sebastian Allaire is going to Dortmund for around 30 to 40 million euros, I believe. Mm-hmm. Ryan Gravenberg has joined Bayern Munich as well for around 20 million euros, I believe. Uh, yeah, and yeah. that means that Ajax don't need to sell these players. Uh, I think it's a little bit posturing, personally, at the moment. But I think... Anthony is a target, as you mentioned earlier, Rob, that it's a bit of deadlock there. But I think United actually are looking at really going for Anthony at some point during the summer. I think Lisandro Martinez, they've just turned their attention to him amid interest from Arsenal. And given Julian Timber has now pretty much effectively said, I'm going to stay at Ajax for another year. Uh, what do you make of these deals, Rob? How how much money should United commit to these players? Should they spend months or weeks negotiating over a few million quid? I think the thing is, I know we always talk about fees and you know the importance of it and why owners do one thing or another. Of course, as a fan, I don't care how much players cost. Ultimately, just buy the player, get them in, they make you better, we carry on, we watch a load of football. But there's no doubt as well that you have to have some structure in terms of purchasing. So let's kind of take each one of those players individually. Jurian Timbers, a player Manchester United really wanted. They had some early kind of connections with the player. Of course, there's always a Ten Hag link there as well. But are you willing to pay a super premium for a player that's still relatively young and needs developing? The answer to that is no. Manchester United are not going to pay 60, 70 million today. However, they might pay it in 12 months if he does well. Look, you talk about Lissandra Martinez. Arsenal were the first club in for him. 
he will almost definitely, I think, come to the Premier League in one form or another. It's a little bit like the Darwin Nunes situation in the sense that the, the agents are shopping the player to that marketplace because the player wants to go there. Not because he wants to play in the Premier League, but because there's tons of money in the Premier League. So these things are important to players when you talk about a new deal. Um, but we talked about Anthony, and I think Anthony will be the one that will burn and burn and burn. Manchester United are very serious about the player, and they're serious because the player has made direct indications that it's United he would like to come to. Mm -hmm. So I think that that allows United to negotiate maybe in a longer term with Ajax to find a price. United's contacts will always talk about 40 million. No, they're not going to get That's not, it was, ne was never going to What would you get for 40 million? Like, this, this is the thing we've talked about players, haven't we? You know, you might be able to go out and get a Pau Torres for in that ballpark because of a release clause and get him for around 45, 44 million. But you're not going to get a player like Anthony at that price who's on the up. You know, he really, really is a trajectory is there. And you're going to have to pay some kind of premium. So I think that that's a, a kind of big thing in terms of how it works out for for the Anthony deal. But I do think United would like a right-sided player and Anthony fits that. Anthony, Anthony Alanga, Anthony Martial. I tweeted that front three uh, possibility last week and, uh, you know, took off a little bit that would be a weird front three in the Europa League group stages uh that United field but uh yeah yeah we'll uh we'll see how that goes I mean there is interest there in Anthony and I think that one will keep running but you were mentioned there Rob about uh Pau Torres gut feet I'm gonna put another gut feeling on the line I think Lisandro Martinez as much as he wants to leave Ajax will probably end up going elsewhere yeah and I think United will end up with Pau Torres later in the summer I think Linda, I think Pau Torres is, is very doable and I think it's a player that they know that they've got kind of the personal terms agreed and all of that. I was just looking at my phone there because I just got a, a text and there seems to be some movement on Frankie de Jong. So maybe it will be quicker than uh, next week. We shall see with that. It's funny as we're actually doing the show, it's always happens that we get texts or we get we, we see something flash up and it's like, oh, we've just talked about that three minutes ago. Um, but yeah, I do think with, uh, with Antium, when you said with Pau Torres as well, Pau Torres is a really easy buy in the sense that they've done all of the negotiating already. It's all done. It's kind of just a wait and see. The other side of the coin for Pau Torres is Spurs. So Spurs are the other club in for him. And I think that's where United are competing for players this year. It's kind of two clubs at a similar level in terms of the development of the team, new managers, new starts, selling that to two teams. It's just that T Tottenham have London in their pocket. And that's always a big thing. If Pau Torres wants to live in London, then he won't be signing for Manchester United. I think he might. I'm just going to put my neck on the glass. I think he might. That's just that's a gut feeling. There's he's no very real, keen uh, on United. I think There's he's no very keen on it. it. He's very keen on yeah. United. And, and, and uh, I think he likes the idea of being with Varane. And he likes the idea of the style of football that Ten Hag plays fits him. You know, being able to play out from the back and being a more stylistic defender. It's not like how fast can you run? It's more about, you know, it's about form and function as opposed to just saying to someone, you know, are you a super athlete? So he's not the quickest in the world, but he's technically fantastic. Uh, Pau Torres could, or maybe Lisandro Martinez, could come in and supersede or take the place of Man United captain Harry Maguire in the 11 alongside Rafa Varane or something like that. I, yeah. That does transition me into the conversation I wanted to end the show with today about leadership, Rob, because mm. <clears throat> there's been, obviously you get all these reports all the time about Ronaldo disagreements over the captaincy that, that came up last week. Uh, leadership is an issue that United have had to deal with. 
Harry Maguire currently the club captain. How do you think this will look for the new season? Uh, and who are the candidates to potentially succeed him? There's plenty of candidates at Manchester United. It always is. But I, I called it last year faux leadership. And, and I include Cristiano in that. I include Bruno in that. They're all senior players. They can all do stuff. They can all lead. But as we've seen with Manchester United, there's been no leadership from the player or from the dressing room for a really long time. So I think Harry Maguire is a little bit of a scapegoat. So I'm, again, not particularly high on Maguire's game. I do think Maguire as a centre-back is too slow, and that is a problem for him. I do think that this is a good coach for him. And I think that if, say, Pau Torres does go to Tottenham and that you know just fizzles out and you're going to start the season with your two centre-backs that you had from last season... I don't see the captaincy changing on day one. I really don't. And I don't think that Ten Hag views the captaincy as something that's ultra important to his project. You know, there's no need to kind of rock the boat and upset people if you want to get the best out of them. So if you want Harry Maguire to be Harry Maguire from a couple of years ago or Leicester Harry Maguire or England Harry Maguire, probably not great just to rip the captaincy off him and say, well, I don't want you to be my captain. So we've seen as well with Ten Hag is that he's not a conservative, but he is, he will look after players. He will look after their mental health. He'll communicate with them and he won't just be incredibly ruthless on day one. I think he'll work through it as a process. Uh, Once upon a not so long ago, I can remember Liverpool fans saying to me that Jordan Henderson shouldn't be the captain at uh, Liverpool because he's not a starter and he's not good enough and blah, 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 blah. Well, look what happened there. So I think that it's not about Harry Maguire, but we talk about leaders. Who else could you do it? I think ultimately you're probably going to have to buy one, Scott. Probably going to have to buy someone that comes in and becomes your new leader. But again, I don't think that happens in this window. So I don't think the captaincy is a huge pressing issue for the new manager. Do you think that they could potentially put it to a team vote the way that Man City do? I really hope not because I, 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 we talk about player power. The players don't need more power. You know, don't, don't tell Works the players. Because the thing is, who are they going to give the captaincy? They're going to give it to Ronaldo. You know, who is it? Because Ronaldo is, is the boss. So this is the problem at the football club is it's the, it's the imbalance between opinion and then popularity. You don't pick your captain on a popularity contest. You pick your captain on who can help you captain the football club. So Ronaldo would wear the armband with pride and United fans would love all of that. But is he really your natural long-term captain? Of course not. So I don't want the players making that choice. I think at City, and the the reason why they do it that way is because it's it's an easy choice. So there's no issue. You have have company, company's there, he comes, he goes. And then they go, right, well, who's the next captain? It was Fernandinho, he's the most senior player. It's obvious, it's easy. And that's kind of how they do it. They do it in a kind of natural way. It wouldn't be natural at Man United. You know, you need to pick the captain that that works best for you. But what I'm trying to say is that it's not a huge issue on day one. I don't think anyone comes in and goes, well, I'm not going to run around this season because Harry Maguire's captain. I don't think that's a thing. I really don't believe that's true. I think it is scapegoatism. But I think the bigger question is, does Harry Maguire play? And if Harry Maguire doesn't play then who should be the captain? Probably on day one, if that was the case. It's probably Bruno Fernandes for me, probably, if he's your player that you're going to put forward and say, you know, who's the natural guy who's got the most leadership. But at the same time, I don't think his leadership was particularly good last year. 
David De Gea, another candidate as well, based on seniority. Uh, it doesn't strike me as a natural fit either, but then there isn't one, is there? Uh, Rob, let's, let's end the show today. I, we talked about this already, but let's end the show today with, what if Harry Maguire isn't there at all and he ends up at Barcelona? <laughs> Brilliant that that story got rehashed last week. And obviously people, uh, I think it was a major red top newspaper in the UK had put out there that Barcelona had said to Manchester United that they want their centre-back and you can't have him. You can't have Frankie de Jong unless we give us Harry Maguire. Rubbish. It's not true. It's not real. It never was real. Barcelona want money. Harry Maguire, unless he's made of money. They don't want him. So I, I think the thing is with Harry Maguire is that he will get his chance at Manchester United. I think um, he's not a bad player overnight. He might not be your future stellar centre-back, your £80 million world record signing at centre-back. But I think he'll get a chance. And I think a lot of these guys will get a chance. And they'll they'll have time to impress Ten Hag over these first, you know, kind of three, four months of the season. And it's a weird thing because we're going into a World Cup. So you always find that players suddenly pep themselves up and the chin goes up and the chest goes out because they're playing for a World Cup place. They suddenly start looking like footballers again. May United have got a few of those. World Cup year, November, December. It's going to be a little bit weird, isn't it? For everyone, including us who will be watching it. Uh, and yeah, be weird for the players as well. Maybe they'll have to protect themselves going into the last few weeks uh, You know, before... Before the World Cup begins, I think there's only about a week between the Premier week ten days between the Premier League and the World Cup actually starting. So it's a really horrible situation. Like, I really hate it. I really do because it's going to compromise the Premier League this year. But and I'm a club man. I always say that club over country for me. Always, you know, I'm an England fan, but I'm a United fan first and foremost. Um, and I do think you're going to find there's that that will be in a lot of players' minds when they think about their injuries or how they manage themselves or just the tightness of the programme, that whole Christmas schedule around there looks horrendous. It's worse. It's terrible most years, Scott, but it's really, really bad this year. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. And Rob, we'll see you on Friday, where hopefully there'll be some kind of official communications from United on either Frankie de Jong, maybe Christian Eriksen. Maybe they'll move on to other targets as well. Mm. Uh, we will see how it goes. But you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And you, now you can watch us twice a week as well on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe, join the community, and leave a comment on our videos as well. It's the promised land, the Manchester United podcast, if you would like to search for us, if you haven't subscribed already. The link should be in the description of this episode as well, if you're listening on an audio platform. And you can follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. We'll see you on Friday, everyone. Thanks for listening. <laughs>